Thanks for clicking on the video. Hit us with a like on Facebook, a subscribe on YouTube, a follow on Instagram. You can find us at homie and the dude. That is at homie and the dude. Thanks again. Enjoy the video. What is up, everyone? This is Homie and the Dude, episode 35. And we are here today with the powerful Corey McKenna, a legend from Wales that is representing the UK in the US. And uh, as we are representing both UK and US as well, we're from America, but we live in the UK. We're super psyched to meet you, Corey, and to get to know your story and to get to understand a little bit more of what it's like to be a UFC fighter. So welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. You're welcome. Uh, absolute pleasure. Um, I'll dive in first with a, a, a bit of a weird question. I thought I'd uh, start it off with something a bit strange. Me and Tom have this unanswered question about the UFC that we have been wanting to have answered ever since we began watching uh, The Ultimate Fighter. And it's that the fighters, both men and women, uh, specifically ones with longer hair, have incredible cornrows and tight, amazing hairdos. I wanted to ask, Who's doing that hair? Is that you? Is that, do you have a team doing the hair? What's going on with that? Give us a bit of insight into that. Yeah, the UFC have like a, a few women that they uh, they hire into to go around doing hair for the fights. So um, I've obviously been using using their girls. Um, I don't know if they have a choice, but I've been using them. Um, but yeah, they've got like a, they've got like a team of staff that that do it for everybody. Do, so, do but, you get to choose the style or is it uh, or is it something that they just they're just like sit down and we're just gonna go for it kind of thing? Um yeah, I think like they give you the option. Um I'm not like the girliest of girls, so I just tend to sit down and go get it out my face so long as it doesn't bother me, thank you very much, kind of thing. Um so nice. yeah, they, they they ask obviously like they're very, you know, very good at the hair stuff, like I, I know one of the ladies insists that every single fighter has like a different hairstyle. Like she likes to make sure that everyone's like slightly different or got something unique. Um, so that's, that's cool. Like say that they've got some like really good professionals that on board that do it and the hair doesn't seem to fall out of place. So perfect. Yeah. yeah no, but you won that bet because I thought it was, I thought it was just sort of everyone had their own, whatever you want to call it, their own stylist, which is com completely like opposite to, you know, two people ste stepping in the ring and worrying about their hair that much. But Bodie was like, no, this is, this is, there's too much like excellence in, <laughs> in the different styles, the different colors, the different patterns and everything. So you nailed it, dude. There's the UFC is behind it. So yeah, I was kind of doing like, I did my own hair for a few of my fights outside, like, I was outside the UFC. It's all, it's all on you kind of like thing. Um, mm. like I did my own hair for a few of my fights or like, or like went to local kind of hairdressers to do that. But, um, yeah, the UFC hire people because obviously they, they don't want you like worrying about your hair and stuff if you're mm. in the fight as well. So it's kind of better for everybody. So let me ask you this. Are you now wondering just with that first question, like, what the fuck have I just gotten myself into? This is ridiculous. We're, ta <laughs> we're talking <laughs> about hair right now. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think that question was that weird. <laughs> Awesome. I'm, I'm, we'll tighten I'm it up. We're going to tighten it up. Both. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Let's get this together. Cool. <laughs> Moving on. So you are the youngest female fighter in the UFC and um, you've come in, you're, you've had two fights so far and they've been two awesome fights, absolute brawls. Um, and you've looked really, really great in those fights. I know you started your martial arts career um, in your teens um, with karate and you took like a class with your mom and whatnot and then kind of progressed on to Brazilian uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and, uh, and Muay Thai and stuff. I wanted to ask actually 
Um, in both of those fights, you face strong adversaries in terms of um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I wanted to understand, because both of them kind of use like rubber guard or like a amended rubber guard in sort of ways. Um, how do you find that like new style of Brazilian jiu-jitsu with the 10th planet, like Eddie Bravo style that's kind of coming in um, versus the traditional stuff that was probably being taught to you as a, as a younger person? Do you, do you see much big difference? Yeah, I mean, like the last, like the last fight wasn't too um, unorthodox. Uh, I've seen yeah. put myself in a couple of sticky situations. Um, that was more on me. Um, you know, like say she's a she's a tough girl with grappling herself. Um, the contenders fight, like I didn't really feel threatened at all. Uh, it was just yeah. annoying. Like that's annoying, bendy kind of like. There's something there, but it's not really like threatening, but it's also stopping you from doing what you want to do. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I don't feel like, like I said, I obviously, I'm still, you know, I'm still developing, I'm still improving, I'm still training around. So I'm still growing myself. So it's not something I've not seen before. Um, there's nothing really new. Uh, but yeah, I don't, rubber guard and all that stuff, like it's just, I, it's, it's just annoying. I'm just like, you know, always not that flexible. So I only seem to get it against the girls. Yeah, and uh -huh. Vanessa was really, she was really flexible. I mean, she's very unorthodox, what she was doing in that fight. She, like, at one point, she did a cartwheel. <laughs> and you grimaced. You were like, what the hell was that? <laughs> uh, and then, like, you're right. Like, she was just dropping to guard at times, just, like, collapsing to guard, just because I think she thought she had a huge advantage. And at times, to be fair, Corey, it looked like you were in a little bit of trouble just at times. She was, she was working on your arm. No, I'm, like it visually, like you may, <laughs> you may, you may like have felt like right, there's no, no threat here, but from the outside, it looked like, okay, she's trying to loosen that arm up or she's bringing that leg up to bring a little bit of a triangle in or that type of thing. So there is something about rubber guard that's kind of sneaky though, because when those legs come up high, you don't kind of understand too much of what's happening back there. Have you had anyone actually like put it on you if in that sort of really, really sort of that high guard where the legs are up there and, and sneak a triangle in on you to, to actually kind of feel what that's like? Um, like in terms of rubber guard, like you said, like it's, I think as so long as you're aware of the position and you're aware of your own body positioning, like you said, like I'm, I'm not, like, I don't want to say I'm comfortable in there because obviously like say it's, it's very yeah. difficult to land your own strikes and kind of get offensive yourself. But I think as so long as you're aware, it's, it's not necessarily too much more dangerous um it's just a little bit more of a defensive position uh mm. i mean I, i've got caught on the mats with pretty much everything at this point um you know if i if i haven't I'm, I'm in the wrong place so you know i've definitely been caught with stuff on the mats but i've i've not really like i don't really feel threatened in the fight because i've been in that position so many times like i've put myself in the sticky situations on the mats you know i make i have days where i'm just getting you know beat up and mauled around and i'm absolutely miserable so that way when i do get into the fight like I don't, I don't feel any stress in those situations. I'm not going to panic and give up any gaps, give up any submissions. So, um, yeah, it's definitely awkward and unorthodox, but I make sure that I get those looks on the mat so that I don't have to, you know, worry about that when I get into the fight. Yeah, you mentioned um, you don't, you don't get stressed out. You put yourself in those stressful situations during training, so that when you get into the ring, you've kind of seen it all, and it's not going to surprise you in any way. Um, Bodhi, you you noticed that when you were looking at the tape, how how composed Corey looked yeah. um, just on the everything kind of the walk in and right before the fight starts in between rounds. You want, you want to talk through that Bodhi, what you, what you saw? Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I was going to mention actually after, after you said that. Um, 
your composure is amazing. I was watching one of your interviews before the Kay, uh, the Kay Hansen fight and you were so relaxed and so just like, uh, I loved a line that you said, you're like, you know, uh, if I win, you know, it doesn't take anything away from her, her skill or mine. We're both moving up, you know, but I'm going to get the win. We'll see what happens kind of thing. And you were just very relaxed. And it, it, it's rare that someone of both, I would say, your age um, and also uh, your, your level isn't feeling like a, a degree of pressure in some sort of way. So I want to ask you, obviously, you've got a mountains of amateur experience in terms of, you know, pre-MMA as well as then also uh, within MMA. So do you feel like that really diffused that pressure for you? Do you feel like you kind of now when you step into the ring, it's like home because of all those times that you've been through those amateur bouts? Yeah, I always use like the like the analogy but I would say like training is kind of like what well, is it's my training it's you know it's my study it's where I'm putting the work when I step in the cage that's just my text you know what I mean I've already done all the preparation I've already done everything so like for me to get all nervous and everything just to test and show off my sort of what all the work I've been putting in it doesn't really make sense to me when people get like you know they're backstage hyperventilating and they're like getting worried that you know I've seen women crying as they're walking out I'm sure dudes have done it too I'm not before people call me out on that but um but yeah, like it doesn't make sense to me because my thing is like if you've prepared and you've put a hundred percent into something, like what have you got to worry about? And that's my thing. Like I go in there confident, not because I like you know because I know I'm definitely gonna win. I'm gonna do this. Like like yeah, sure. There's always room for someone else to put that you know put their stamp on it or like you know they they've been working hard themselves. But by the time I step in there, I'm so confident in like the work that I've put in, my coaches that I know that I've put myself in the best position to get that win. So for me, working myself up and getting nervous is count counterproductive. Yeah. Um, like you said, like, I've got a lot of, obviously I've got a very extensive amateur career. You know, like, you know I was like national champion in jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai yeah. as a junior. And then like I turned amateur like 15, I turned pro at 18. Like, so I feel like too many people put a lot of weight on like my age and they kind of seem to disregard the fact that I've actually got as much experience, if not more, as some of these, you know, late 20s, early 30s women. So I feel like my thing is with like as much as great as it is to be like the youngest fighter and all this, like for me, when we talk about age, like I'm think I'm thinking experience, not age. I'm, I'm thinking like martial arts age. You know, I've been doing martial arts like 10 years, whereas there's women out there that are, you know, 35, just getting into it and not to not to at my mum there but you know like there, there are <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Like, starting later on and, and like they've not got any experience so for me they don't have an advantage just because they're older yeah mm. when you just when you just said that not tell my mom there that's exactly what I was thinking <laughs> shout out to Wendy McKenna your stud yeah <laughs> <laughs> sorry mom <laughs> um no let me just so okay let's let's back up a little bit because i want i want to take you through so yes absolutely amateur um pre-mma and then mma stuff in the uk with cage warriors and you're seeing success all the way through and then all of a sudden you get this opportunity with the contender series and that gets kind of smashed together pretty quick right there's there's a lot of like you know, time schedule stuff that you don't know if you're going to get there or not. And Jack is like pulling rabbits out of hats and stuff like that. And your <laughs> eyes on the other end. And there you are, you walk in and you win that fight. So then the next thing is, what is it like three or four months later? It's now you are in the UFC, right? And now you step into, you're in Las Vegas, you're in the backstage of the Apex 
and talk us through that. Cause you know, like there's Dana White there, there's like the announcers that we've seen as we've all grown up, just like ringside. Mark Smith is your referee, but there's like Bruce Buffer there. Like there, at some point, was it just surreal? Were you just like, holy shit, like this is, I don't even understand what's happening right now. Yeah, so it was a bit of a strange one because, like you say, like everyone gets all the jitters and they like, and I think because of COVID as well, it's a very different experience. Like, I think because you build it up so much in your head, like, like everyone's dream, like the second side MMA, whether they say it is or not, everybody wants to be in the UFC. They want to be a UFC fighter, you know, because that is always, always has been and it might change, but as far as I'm aware, it probably always will be the pinnacle of MMA. So I think everyone expects to get there and it just be this like, this massive thing and you feel like completely different and all of a sudden you know you're like but it's it's not like I turned up and I was just like I was like oh it's fight day like cool like it it just felt the exact same like I had you know I had, I had my coaches with me that I spent every day with I was in the same place that I'd done contenders um you know I'd already kind of seen everyone around and it kind of just felt like me and Jack talking about it and it sounded really cheesy but we both we were talking about it and even he said the same it just kind of like felt right like it just felt like it was like we were meant to be there like it didn't it didn't feel like as I was kind of expecting to turn up and feel like a whole completely whole new person it did this massive deal and everything be like so like overwhelming and I turned up and I was I was with Jack and we were just kind of like oh okay we're here to do business that's cool like let's let's get it done sort of thing it didn't, it didn't really feel too much difference to a regular fight day but I think like that's not a problem I think that's great like I think it shows that you know, we are ready to be at that level and it's not something that's kind of like, you know, um, out of our depth or anything. Um, obviously, it was it was a great experience and I'm, I was very proud of myself to be there. But at the same time, I was kind of just like, OK, it's another fight, like fight week, like, you know, let's show up, let's, let's get it done. And uh, UFC or not, you know, I always look to put on the best performance I can. So, um, yeah, I'm very fortunate to have Jack as well. Like, say, like, he made that whole experience a lot easier, for sure. Yeah, you know, interestingly a lot of people kind of uh, react differently to the UFC move and loads of people have said different things um, over the years about how that kind of felt for them and whatnot again it's a credit to you and like you said your experience in how you're reacting to these things also it's a credit to just how uh, mature and developed you are for again don't get me wrong like we bring up your age but at at the end of the day you know you it just proves that you are really far ahead of the curve in terms of all of that which is why i brought up all of your amateur uh you know experience because it's important to note it's important to note that like you said it's the martial art clock rather than uh you know the age clock and i I think that's really important um i wanted to ask you something kind of in relation to that you know obviously you've said in the past that when you were younger and, and even, you know, relatively recently, UFC has been like a pipe dream. You know, it's been something that you've been looking to in the, in the distance and you're like, yes, that's kind of what we want. Now you're here, you've arrived. Is the next step to crack the top 15? Is there a person that you're like, I need to like get to them? Or is it just continue developing, take what comes my way and just move, move up the ranks as it goes kind of thing? Yeah, um, for me, like, I don't know. Wanna... Like you say, I know obviously I was saying about like obviously the you know the experience and everything like that. I still think I need to play it smart. I'm not scared of like taking fights, but you know I want to make sure I build correctly. I want to take a few more fights before kind of trying to throw myself into that top ten because at the end of the day I've got many years ahead of me. I don't want to kind of shoot myself in the foot and cut myself short. But also like, and I've got a smart manager. You know I mean Jack's my manager as well, so he's smart. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we'll you know we'll we'll take a few more fights, look to crack the top fifteen, and slowly work my way into top ten, and then. Uh, Hopefully in a few years, obviously have that belt. But 
but um, yeah, no one in particular. I'm keeping my eye on the women's scene. Uh, I have noticed that, like, I'd like to fight maybe like a veteran, like someone that's kind of been on the scene for a while, well known. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we see those fights a lot, like the young prospect coming through and like fighting a fighting someone that's kind of been on the scene for a while, like a veteran, kind of like a you know the new wave coming through kind of thing. I think they like to market that. Um, I mean, I see Felice Herrig's kind of uh, just just come back from surgery. I think. I think she actually posted a video of herself hitting the bag the same day that I was cleared to start hitting the bag. So I was kind of like, but uh, (laughs) there's nothing personal. It's just every woman that I'm looking at has got a fight booked because obviously COVID they're booking up fights. Like it's nothing. Um, Mm. So yeah, to be honest, whoever's free really. Um, I think it's going to be a while because I get back training anyway. I'm still like, I say I'm allowed to hit the bag, but I'm allowed to keep my feet planted and throw straight shots. So it's not, I'm not really, training on it as of yet so it's, i still think it's going to be a few months but um you know i think there's a lot of potential fights out there that would be good for me um but like i said i'd like to fight someone with like like say a veteran's kind of got a lot of experience or been around the ufc for a while or it's like a, a bit of a name without throwing myself like straight in at the deep end not that i don't think i can hang just i obviously want to be business smart at the end of the day yeah, yeah, that's that's you said a couple of things that are really interesting, Corey. And one of them is similar to what Arnold Allen said last time we spoke to him, which was he's at a stage in his career. Now he's been in the UFC a little bit longer and he has moved up into the top 15, but it's almost a similar consideration. He said, I'm really now at the point where I'm interested in either a name or a ranking. Yeah. Um, and the ranking is just to move up, you know, just kind of keep moving. I don't need to crack the top three or anything like that. I just need to kind of keep progressing or a name that, you know, that is a good, you know, name to put on my resume that is either coming down or whatever, coming back from an injury or, or anything like that. So it seems like what you're saying is, is very similar to that. Um, the other thing, I'm just going to circle back because I just want to give you some props that uh that i can see and you i think are just taking it as like this is just how it is (laughs) i know how rare it is for a fighter to be as as calm and as able to like literally embrace that look i've done all the training i'm super experienced i've been in just about every situation that is going to present itself when i step into the octagon so like, I don't really have a lot to worry about. I'm sure there's some jitters in there, but just to say that, and then to actually experience that, to not let the, like the, the moment get to you is pretty rare. So when you and Jack said, it just feels right, that's pretty special. Like that's different. Um, so, you know, that's, uh, that's an advantage that you have going in that a lot of other athletes are working against just controlling their anxiety and their nerves and all that stuff. So well done with that. And whether it's God given or it's something that you have figured out, whatever it is, you have an advantage there. I think it helps that uh, the contenders fight was just so stressful to try and get into place. Like we were, you know, we were running around France and I literally picked my passport up uh, not my passport, my visa, which had my passport with it, uh, on the way to the airport. So if my if my visa was five minutes late, I'd have missed my flight. Like, that's how tight I was. We'd already rescheduled the flight three times. Um, so it's literally like the UFC were like, right, if she doesn't get on this flight, she cannot fight. It's the, it's the closest we can get her to the flight. So I had no time to deal with jet lag or any of that. We literally, I flew out. I did media day. I wake up. I weighed in. I fought. Like that was it. Like there was no, there was no like time to kind of take it in. It was kind of just like here you go, like straight in, get done. Like um, so. Then by the time like obviously like you said, the next fight came around, like it'd been it'd been completely the opposite. It'd been super chilled. Been plenty of time to get it done. Like 
you know, I mm. like turned up, it was all relaxed, like there was no rushing around. It was in the same place, so I'd already kind of won there, if that makes sense. Like I already felt like I'd I was kind of already like, oh, well, I'm comfortable here, like I've done this before. Yeah. Except yeah. this time it's a lot more relaxed. So uh it definitely made it feel a lot a lot easier going into it, even though it was technically a UFC, like a bigger stake fight, it didn't feel any different. Uh it actually mm. felt like more relaxed and uh steady going. Yeah, I was gonna say you, you know, it sounds like with the contender fight, the fight was almost the peace in all of the chaos that was going on. You know, you, you managed to find, you know, that that moment of like serenity was like, oh, like getting getting the hand wraps on probably felt like the most like comfortable thing in like a couple of days of chaos that you'd had, which is which is probably really nice. You know, I can imagine uh, in, in another way. Um, something you, you mentioned as well is you you were saying that, you know, um, you when you're looking at like the people ahead of you you're saying you know you don't want to jump the gun but yes you want to keep moving up the rankings and i respect the hell out of that because you know uh not to name names but poor sean o'malley you know was this amazing up-and-coming prospect and was looking really great and he stepped too high went to cheeto vera and um and stepped against you know a, a veteran in cheeto vera you know a phenomenal fighter and, and ended up taking an injury and losing the fight and, and in some ways getting TKO'd, basically. And, you know, I, I understand your, your anticipation to continue working on yourself and to continue moving up the ranks at a pace that makes sense uh, for you because, yeah, ahead of you, to, to be honest, like me and Tom were talking about this as well in terms of um, what divisions in the UFC um, are looking as like the most dangerous divisions and yours is by far one of the most stacked divisions in terms of a murderer's row of people. Um, to can the, I just to the can belt. I just name some names? Not, this Go is not this call. is not to like put you off of your lunch, Corey. <laughs> but <laughs> but, um, but I mean, for us, like that Wailing and uh, Joanna fight was one of the best fights we've ever seen. Like that was just an incredible display. Of, of just pure martial arts and um, not just that, but the ability to take damage and to be competitive and to be, be you know, to just have grit. Uh, it was just an amazing, amazing display, but you have those two, you have Rose. I mean, and then you go down the list to Carla Esparza and Michelle Watterson and Tisha Torres and Hibas just won recently. Mackenzie Dern is like a, you know, some phenomenal jujitsu specialist and Angela Hill and on, on and on. There is like a, you know, it is almost like a gauntlet as you move up. But I love what you said that you and Jack are looking at this like, look, I'm 21 years old. Like time is on my side. Like even if I just hang out for a while, some of those people are just that'll take care of itself. Like, you know, they'll they'll you know, as you were saying, like I'm in the business of like damaging brain cells. <laughs> so like some of that is just going to happen. Um and take care of itself. So I love that you're just like, look, let's just go slow. I mean, Boats, you mentioned uh, Sean O'Malley. I was thinking of Chase Hooper. Like mm. the last three fights that Chase Hooper ha has had have been like life and death to the point of like, I don't think it was necessary for him to take that big of a leap up where he lost one. And he's like searching for a sub in the last second of the last round where, where and up to that, he was getting, you know, pretty overwhelmed he's a young guy as well. So that he didn't, you know, whatever his agenda is and, you know, credit to him for whatever his agenda is, maybe he's willing to take those losses and he can cope with them. But for some people, it's hard to get overwhelmed like that at, you know, at a certain whatever age, and it's hard to come back from that type of defeat. 
So I think it's really awesome that you guys are just being really methodical, step by step. Let's see what's good for us. Is this person kind of fit the mold? It's a stretch for me for sure, but it probably isn't, you know, that that other area that I'm not sure whether, um, you know, for you, it feels like your emotions and your mind are here and your skills are moving up to kind of, you know, it's, you want to, you want all to be like at the top. Right. And it seems like all of that's trying to find itself. And, um, I love the plan that you guys have in place to, to try to make that happen. So I was told by one of the guys when I was, uh, when I was younger and it's very much the mentality I take. That's why like, you know, Jack will send, send me a name and he'd be like, what do you think of this? And I'm like, yep. And I was told like a fighter's job is to fight anybody. A manager's job is to stop them. Uh, so Jack does that job pretty well. You know, he, he, like we've agreed, like, he, you know, he's, we, we talk about it. Like we're very sensible with it. At the end of the day, like I am almost like a business in a sense, like, you know, you want to make smart investments. Like I'm not afraid to fight anybody. I'm not like trying to can crush or anything, but we, you know, I've got, I've got like 10, 15 years of fighting left in me. I don't, I don't need to, I don't need to rush. I don't need to be like, oh, I need the belt in like two years. I'm not, I'm not bloody, um, who's that? I forget her name. The, uh, oh, what's her name? Macy Barber, but, you know, the girl that's like, oh, I need to be the youngest US child. Someone messaged me the other day, like, oh, were you like her? And I was just like, no, nah, I'll get it eventually. I'm like, <laughs> at the moment, I just want to fight and, you know, train and make sure that I'm like the best, best, best version of me I can be by the time I get there, you know? Yeah, yeah. that's really cool. Because also, you know, if you look at sort of the arc of the sport, you're probably like the first generation after this, this sort of um, exposure of women's martial arts. So you had Ronda Rousey sort of just blow it up, right? And as Ronda Rousey was blowing it up, you were still coming up as a teenager, but you had put the work in, you know, and there's a lot of other women that were like, oh shit, Ronda Rousey is really good. I'm 27 years old and I was a good athlete. So I'm going to try to do MMA. And to some degree, they've been successful or less or whatever, but you have put the work in and the foundational like skills in to now to take the sport to where it's going, which is this well-rounded ability across a lot of different skill sets. And it's going to be interesting to see because we've seen it with, with, well, we've seen it with both really the men and the women, how it's just, you know, you, you can't just have, you know, stand up or sub submissions or wrestling, or you got to have it all to some degree or be able to deal with it all. And you're of the generation that's going to have the whole package going forward, which is awesome to watch. Yeah, yeah it's super, super cool. Um, I wanted to ask you a question because you, you, you're talking a lot about, you know, we're just working on our training, you know, Jack and, you know, here at Team Alpha Male, you know, you're just working on your training and whatnot. So um, I want to ask you, I've seen a load of videos in the Team Alpha Male gym and a bunch of you guys are sparring around on the mats and there's some like blaring hip hop in the background and whatnot. What are the vibes like in the gym when you're training with some of the most amazing fighters in the world? You've got great music on and everyone's sparring. You know, is, is, that, is that a good vibe in the gym for you? Yeah, well, for the record, we've definitely got great music on at the moment because I'm benched, therefore I'm DJing. Um, <laughs> yeah, like you see, the, the mats here are always buzzing. Uh, it's one of the reasons I obviously wanted to move out here is because like, we've got that professional class schedule where we've got multiple sessions available to us a day. There's always like, you know, the pros are always on the mats. There's always a good group of guys. We're always having a laugh as well. Like, you know, it's not, it's not like dead serious. We take our training serious, but we still, you know, we still mess around. We still have fun. So it's very lighthearted and easy going, which makes it a lot, like a lot easier than just turning up, making the work, like getting the work in and going, you know, like they really are. They, in the same way as BKK, I think that's why I fit in so well here. Like they really take on that like team family kind of mentality where like, you know, 
everyone's really close. They all look out for each other and have each other's backs. So the, the team, the team's great out here in the same way, like, you know, my team back home was awesome. So um, I'm very lucky for sure. You know what was really noticeable? There's a you have a video out there with Uriah, um, and you guys are just talking, and you can really feel how much you know. He's just kind of fun, but he's also caring. You know, he's a family guy, but he's also a world class athlete. And you know, the team will take on the personality of the leader. And I could just really feel that you guys um, have a probably a super super professional like setting, but layered in there is a lot of fun. You know, there's some carefree stuff, you know, he has a perception of being like, you know, this California guy or whatever, but he's a killer as well. So it seems like there's a real nice balance of that. Yeah. He's a, yeah, he's a funny one. Um, I always struggle to call him uncle Faber. Um, he's, he is like everyone's gym uncle. Um, he, he's, he's turning into like a proper dad. So, you know, there's a lot of dad jokes and uh, we're always ripping him and stuff, but it, it, he is great. And like you say, he does, he does really enforce that, like say like family kind of feeling in the gym. Um, but also, you know, he, like say everyone knows when it's time to knuckle down and just get the work done. Um, so it's, it's a great balance. What was it about um, team alpha male? Cause I know you toured around, you looked at a couple of different places and I think you didn't, you do two tours or you, you touched that down at team alpha male. You did a bit of a taster there and did some other places came away. When did you make the decision and what was, what were the variables that you said? Yeah, that's the place for me. Um, so it's kind of torn between, so I tried Kings Glendale um, and team alpha male on the first trip. And then I went to ATT the next year. And then the year after that, I was kind of like umming and ahhing between where I wanted to go. I obviously knew I wanted to turn pro at 18. So I was like, you know, for my 18th birthday, my parents were like, right, we'll get you a training camp. Like, you know, you go away for a couple months, you do your thing. Um, and then it just so happened that Cynthia had a fight coming up. So, you know, Jack was discussing with Dave out here um, about the Train With Tam program, um, seeing, obviously, you know, they're a bit protective of me, like obviously sending sending a 17, 18 year old kid out to America by herself to train. They wanted to make sure I was obviously in a in a place that was gonna, you know, that was gonna be like a good fit for me. I was up in an arm between here and ATT, but the thing, like I said, was like team alpha male, like they're very much like family, they very much take care of each other. Um, you know, they have that professional class schedule, there's no clickiness. Um, oh just had had you freeze, Corey? So we'll just see if you're going to come back. Uh, so I really felt like it was it would be like a almost like a natural transition. Like I wouldn't be uncomfortable going there. Like like see, I, I've I've been walking into gyms by myself since I was you know 13, 14. My dad was driving around the UK to go find girls to train with, and he'd sit outside in the car and be like, "Nope, this is you. Off you go." Um, so that was never really a stress for me, but I really wanted to find somewhere that could be my second home. Um, so I'm I'm very glad with the choice that I made. Um, so I ended up coming out here when I was like, when I was like, yeah, I think I was 17. Uh, my birthday was about halfway through the trip because um, like say Cynthia had a camp coming up. So Dave was like, now's a good time to get her out here. Like she'll have some good training partners on the mats for sure. Um, yeah, I did that trip and was like, okay, this step in place for me. Um, I like tore my UCL midway through the trip and had to go home early. But um, I stayed in touch with Uriah and just started coming out regularly ever since that. Yeah, nice. amazing. That's that's awesome that you've built like a, a relationship with the gym, the people and like the area and everything. And I, I know that some of those were family holidays that you that that, that were that were based around uh, based around these gym trips, which which is pretty awesome. 
um, you know, I, I, I take my hat off to your parents because, you know, something that um, Tom did when I was a kid is like, especially with sports, I, I had my like hands in every sport I could basically play um, as a, as a young man. And especially then when I started doing basketball, which Tom coached at the time, um, you, you like pushed me and helped me and, you know, guided me in a way and supported me in a way that allowed me to progress a lot faster than if I'd been, you know, doing it by myself. And that kind of leads me to my, my, my question actually um, about your parents, because obviously, you know, your dad is this, this military guy um, who is a, a marathon runner, Guinness World Record holder, you know, um, all this amazing stuff. Um, and your mom was also a pro fighter uh, at the same time as you. And uh, you, you both, you both uh, I, I believe you debuted together. Um, and she was also your, your, uh, your training partner all the way for a, a long time. So do you feel like the influence that your parents have had in your life has gotten to where you are? Do you, do you feel like without them, you wouldn't be in the same place kind of thing? Thanks for watching this episode. We really appreciate you supporting Homie and the Dude. Please hit us with the Holy Trinity, like our Facebook page, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and follow us on Instagram. Just search at Homie and the Dude. It all really helps. Um, I definitely think I wouldn't have got to where I was as fast. Um, the thing is, like I, I have a very similar mentality to my dad and everything like that. So it's very hard to kind of say where I would be without them being the way they are. Because I really like to say I do think that they influenced uh, not just what I do, but obviously who I am. Um, you know, I say my outlook on everything is very similar to like similar to my dad. You know, he, like say he's very a uh, military man, marathon runner, kind of just like suck it up and get on with it kind of guy. So. Um, yeah, I definitely kind of take that, like his approach to stuff. And then like, so yeah, let's, like I was saying before, he, dro he drove me all around the UK to train um, for the first few years of me, like, you, you know, training and being full time. Like on a Saturday, like he would drive me like three, four hours to, you know, to like Birmingham to, to do a jiu-jitsu competition where we knew full well I'd be competing against the same one girl that beat me every single time I went there. But like, he was like, it's a great experience. He's like, he's like, you're getting on the mats competing you know you're closing the gaps he's like he's like it's fine you know we we, we put down like 60 bucks on a IBJF competition which is extortionate and we would uh, just you know we'd, we'd drive for hours and we'd get it done um and you know he, he really supported me like you said like my mom was obviously training with me uh, mm. regularly you know because I dragged her over to BKK and then um yeah we debuted together debuted together I uh, my last amateur fight was her pro debut on the same card um so yeah it's, it's obviously been great to have that support system i definitely think uh, it got me to where i am um and i can't you know imagine it being any other way i don't i don't know where i'd be without without that to be honest um i definitely think i'm, I'm always i've always been stubborn and determined so if i was in mma still and i didn't have that i do think i would still be training but you know i i wouldn't have got that those trips to america i wouldn't have got that camp to team alpha male i wouldn't have traveled around the uk training so there's many different uh, circumstances that I, and opportunities that I would have missed out on if it weren't for them. So obviously I'm very grateful and I do uh, obviously yeah. owe a lot of credit to them for where I am. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because um, I'm thinking of a, a quote there. So there's, you, you said you played basketball when you were younger and that was maybe your first love. And then you decided that you didn't want to play it for you know whatever, whatever those reasons were. But there's a basketball player in America called Magic Johnson that you probably have heard of. Um, he played for the Lakers back in the day, but he said um, that he, although he's six foot eight or six foot nine and, you know, has a lot of skills, he said there was guys that had a lot more talent than I did, but things lined up in a certain way and that my parents 
developed me to a certain point. And then there was almost like a relay race handoff to another mentor. But my parents were able to release that and to really let that person do the job. And then that handoff happened to another person. And that succession happened in a way that allowed me to, to, de to develop, but also not to feel any kind of like residual baggage from too much control from my parents or, or a coach that's holding on to me too much. And if you look at your story, I mean, there's, there's so many examples of parents being really overbearing and like wanting to control and wanting to have like micromanagement of everything. And then your first coach wanting to like not let you go because, you know, you're the cash cow and all this other stuff. And the examples that you have are your parents took you to a certain place. They did a phenomenal job taking you around the UK or what have you. They give you over to Jack. Jack kind of fulfills another level of, of development for you. And then at some point you and Jack have a conversation. You're like, yo, you know, for me to actually get to where we all want me to go, I'm going to have to go there and you're not going to be able to go there, but you know what? Um, Jack's like, yeah, you go there and we'll still keep the family together. And, you know, to some degree, that's what it looks like from the outside. And I'm sure there's a lot of other, you know, like stuff that um, that's involved in it, but that's really rare as well, Corey, like that needs to be a, a that's a special type of like progression that doesn't always happen. So that's another thing that's, you know, in your favor. What would you say to, to how that's unfolded? Yeah, I'm very lucky. It's, um, it's not necessarily been like a handoff. Like you said, like roles have obviously changed. People have had to step back a little bit, but like you said, like, like, uh, I still can, like, I consult my dad about everything. I still message him. I'm like, what do you think about this? Like, what if I do this? Do you think I should go here? Like all this, like he's still, you know, me and my dad are like super close. I always say he's like kind of like one of my best friends. Um, so I told him all through the day anyway. Uh, you know, Jack's kind of stepped back from like the head coach role, but he's taken on the management role. So again, I talk to him every single day about everything. You know, he gives me pointers. He still coaches me. Um, and do you think your eyes adopt the same the same role? So like him and Jack actually work together now. Uh, you know, they talk to each other regularly. They, they get along really well, um, which was nice for me. Um, you know, they're, they're both kind of my head coaches. They both manage me. Um, like they literally 50-50 split it, except the only difference is that I'm actually physically here. Um, so I'm very lucky that they kind of they kind of split it well, and it's nice. Like I say, we went to Vegas. I had uh, Uriah, Jack, Danny, and they all got along really well. They're all very similar in mentality and kind of the approach to coaching and everything like that. So it's kind of nice for me. It was like kind of like having like it was almost like a little family reunion for me. Like I kind of had all my all my main coaches come together, and I was a bit nervous at first. I was like, oh, what if they don't like like each other? I was like, that's going to be uncomfortable. But they all got along really well. Um, which was like say, really nice for me and it also kind of is a testament to their coaching like for them to all be on the same page and to all just kind of have my best interests at heart you know I feel like I've really got a good team around me um, and I do mm. genuinely feel grateful every time I kind of step on those mats so that's awesome that's you know and it, it's something that it, it, I would say MMA is one of the few sports and a few things in life where the background characters within a within a tale you know coaches and people like that do get a nice a nice bit of spotlight you know I, I'd relate it to like a, a band you know like you talk about like Dave Matthews band I mean it's literally Dave Matthews and his band you know then uh, and, and in a lot of cases you know when stuff with musicians happens they don't even mention you know oh I've got you know, my best friend, Tim, who's a saxophonist playing the sax for me today. And that thanks, Tim. Um, they don't even do that, you know. So the fact that you're, you know, saying that, you know, these guys mean so much to you is, is awesome. And I think, you know, it, it really um, bodes well for them and is, is a credit to them as people as well as, as you, because obviously uh, 
the impact that they've made on you has turned you into who you are as well today as a as well as what your parents have kind of influenced um i want to ask obviously as well you know we, we talked about you um being uh, the first female welsh fighter um in the ufc which is really really awesome and uh, i can imagine a lot of pride comes with that and, and probably a lot of um pride for your family and whatnot comes with that so do you find that you are going like oh man i i need to do this for wales like going in there and like representing your country and things like that do you do, do you get that because you know conor mcgregor's shouting the irish thing all the time you know you've got certain people with like rep saying that they're representing their country do you feel that kind of responsibility on your shoulders uh no and I, I always have to be careful when i say stuff because like i'm not trying to sound unappreciative or anything like say like mm -hmm. i'm very proud to obviously have the accolade of being the first woman from wales i'm very like you know i'm very appreciative for all the support i receive um but at the end of the day like like and people have said it in the past like fighting is a selfish sport like you know, I'm going and I'm stepping in there. Like when I get, when I do, it's me, one other person. And you know, we're, we're fighting. You know, so you when you step in there, you you can't do it for any other reason. You can't have any other distractions. Like if you don't want to do it, like you you can't do it. And this is what I said. Like we're saying about the nerves and everything. Like I think the reason people get nervous is because they step in there and they're like, oh, I have to do this for someone else, like for this person. I have to do this for that person. I need to do this for this reason. I need the money. I need it. Like when I step in there, I'm doing it purely out of the fact that I love the sport and I really enjoy competing. Obviously, it's nice to be able to say, you know, that my, like, you know, it's, it's nice to come out there and have my family proud of me. It's it's really nice to come out and have all that support and for people to say, oh, you've done your country proud and everything like that. But when I step in there, I'm not putting pressure on my shoulders. I'm not saying I need to do it for these reasons. I'm going in there and I'm doing it because I love to go in there and do it. Um, and I'm not like ashamed to say that I'm doing it for a selfish reason because. I really do think that you should do what you're passionate about in life. So if you're not passionate about it, you don't love it, you shouldn't do it. So you should, I think that fighters should be doing it for themselves. You know, I don't, I don't fight for my family. If I wanted to get, if I wanted to get money for my family, I would go get a steady job and I would do something, you know, that I can rely on, not something that, you know, might put me out for six months because I broke my ankle in the fight, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, when I fight, I, I fight for me, um, but I am obviously very proud of the accolade and I'm, I'm very appreciative of all the support that I receive. Um, like I say, it's, that's almost like a bonus for me. Yeah. You know what's cool is how, you know, you're comfortable not being, um, whether you want to call it like uh, not traditional and how you answer that. Some people feel like, oh shit, like, and you might feel a little bit of that, but not enough to stop what you're saying, right? Like you're going to say what you're going to say, which is, look, this is this is about, you know, there's a lot of sacrifice in this. And I could, if I wanted to like, you know, bring, you know, money to my family, do I could do a lot of other things that are way, <laughs> way easier than this. And I think it's awesome that you just were like, you know what? No, this is something that is deep within inside of me and irrespective of what my situation, where I come from, who else is around me, like I have to believe that this is for me. And that feels like that's the way people succeed to really, really high, you know, attainments. And I love that you've, you know, that you were candid enough to just say, look, this is kind of how it is. And I, I hope everyone accepts it. There's no disrespect in that, but this is just where I'm coming from. Yeah. Like I yeah, I think a lot of people expect the generic response of I'm doing it for this. I want to do this. Like, and I, I have this debate with people on the regular, like obviously you see a lot of people come through the gym. You, obviously I spend a lot of time with fighters and everything and everyone's got different motivations. And like, I had this debate with someone literally yesterday, like you, you can't, 
you can't be motivated by money in this sport. Like, like I say, it's far too unreliable. There's so many other, like, yes, we do make money and the money's decent. And, and it, especially if you make it all the way, like in the future, it will be great. But that can't be your sole motivator. There's many other ways to go. You know, if I'm, if I'm going to get punched in the head, I want to, I want to do it because I'm enjoying it. You know, I could, I could go sit behind a desk and make more money than what I'm making right now. So um, I definitely don't understand. I don't really understand people that are motivated by that side of things. I kind of understand it doing it for like the pride and everything. Like say, like when I go in that, I do obviously, obviously I want to make my coaches proud. I want to go out there and do what they've taught me. I want to, you know, I want to come out there and, my, you know, when I come step out there, the first thing I do is phone my family, you know, especially whilst I was fighting in Vegas. Um, Cause you know, my dad's, my dad's been at every single fight since I was, you know, every, every single fight, every single jujitsu match, like my dad has been there. Um, so the last two were the only ones he's not been able to come because of COVID. So, you know, the first thing I did, I, I went backstage, I did my quick media and I was straight on the phone to them. Uh, even even like my last one, I was phoning them literally as the medic was trying to find out what was wrong with my ankle. I was just on the phone with my dad going, yeah, yeah, I've, I've torn my ankle. It's fine. They want to send me for an x-ray, but I'll, I'll, I'm going to try and do the media. Like, But, you know, like I'm, I'm kind of like, see, like that, that's obviously a big part of it. Like, I really enjoy that. But it's not my sole motivator. It's not the reason I'm stepping in there because I don't want to step in there and in my head be going, I need to do good. Otherwise, my coach is going to disappoint. I need to do good or my dad's not going to be happy when I phone him. You know, like I'm not doing that. Like when I step in there, I'm like, oh, I'm here. Like I've worked hard. I've put in the work. I'm here. Like this is what I want. And, you know, I'm not going to let anyone stop me doing that. Yeah. You know, it was funny. I'm just thinking about that. Like maybe not, not maybe funny is the wrong word. But when you were being interviewed after the fight by Bisbing, and you like you're basically hobbling over there, and it <laughs> and it was the first like post fight you know interview I think that you had done on um, at that let's say on that stage, and Bisbing's talking to you and he's like, so how's your ankle? You're like, yeah, it hurts a little, but it'll be fine. And then he's like, so what's the plan? You're like, oh well, I I. I I want to kind of fight again soon, but yeah, it, it, it hurts. <laughs> and then like, come to, come to find out you like, what'd you do? You tore a ligament and you like broke a bone or, I mean, it was serious, but at the moment you're just like, now nah, we'll, we'll, we'll get back in the ring whenever I need to in the cage. <laughs> um, yeah. So I gave the answer that I wanted to be giving. Um, so I definitely wanted to jump straight into that fight, uh, another fight, but I knew like I came out of the fight, I looked at Jack, I went, I went, I've torn the ligament. And they were like, you're going to go for an x-ray. And I looked at him, I was like, I've torn the ligament. I was like, there's no point x-raying it. I know exactly what I've done. Like I did the same to my arm. Like I heard, I heard it tear. Like I knew what had happened in the fight. Yeah. Um, so I tore basically the bunch of ligaments on the outside and I fractured my tibia. Like I had like a fracture running up the back of my tibia. Um, mm. It's been about 12 weeks now. I ended up having surgery. Um, so I'm still on rehab and everything like that. So I, I'd like to fight at the end of summer. I think it might end up being a bit later. I, like in my head, I'm all hopeful and I'm like, I can have time for two fights still, but I'm going to, I'm going to be smart because at the end of the day, I'm not even on the mats yet. So I've not had time to make those improvements. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fully aware that when I come back, it's, it's going to be sore. I'm going to be trying to find my rhythm. So I'm just going to play it smart. Um, I'm kind of hoping people stop asking me when I'm going to fight again, because yeah. that's driving me crazy at the moment. I'm like, I can't even punch stuff yet. But yeah, um, yeah but I'll be back soon. I'm sure. Can we talk about just the moment that injury happened? So you, you were familiar because you, you said you had it happen to your arm before. So you're in the middle of the fight. What round was, was this the first round? Um, either the end of the second or start of the third. Second, second, start of the third. So, you know, you've got fight to go, you know, for start of the third, you've got f five full minutes to go again. And the fight is in the balance. Like it's a close fight. You know, it's a close fight at that point. Um, talk us through that. Like you, you understood that something happened. 
you're familiar with what it was and you knew that that probably wasn't very good for like long-term, but here you are in the middle of the fight. Like what was going through your mind? Yeah. So I was actually talking about this with one of the guys and we ended up watching the fight back. Cause he's like, Oh, I didn't notice it. We watched the fight back. You know, we saw the moment it happened and I was like, uh, Danny actually kept, we were watching it and Danny kept like zooming in on the part where my ankle like just goes like, and I was just like, no. <laughs> and he was like, Oh, this bit. And I'm like, I'm like watching it and I'm just like, I can feel it. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, like, I ended up watching the fight back with one of the guys and like, like he, re- the second, like I pointed out to him, like the whole third round, you can see how much pain I'm in. Like, um, it's funny now because obviously like it's kind of semi better. Um, but yeah, like, you know, I'm on my back. Um, I can't feel anything. Well, I can feel everything from the knee down, but it's like cramping up. Like I couldn't move my foot. I went to, sh- I went to pummel in like a butterfly hook at one point and like literally yelled and then like glanced at the ref to make sure he didn't like hear me or want to stop it. Um, so yeah, like in my head, I was just like, I was like, oh, well, I'm already, you know, I was like, I'm already two rounds in. Uh, I was like, there's no point kind of throwing the fight away now. I was like, I'd rather, I'd rather be sat at home with a, you know, with a broken ankle and, and a win than sat at home feeling sorry for myself. So, um, you know, your eyes always telling the story about how, you know, when he fought with two broken hands and how he used his elbows to make do and all this. <laughs> and like in my head, I was like, I was like, I'm not gonna live it down if I do not get this fight done. So I kind of, in my head, I was like, I was like, right, suck it up. I was like, if your eye can do it, you can do it. Um, that, that take that as you wish. I'm not saying any. That's not a knock on him, but. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, so I say that to myself. In my head, I went, Uriah, Uriah had a fight with two broken hands. And, and you Amazing. know, like, so I was like, I was like, if you can't do it with one ankle, I was like, you you know, you don't deserve to be here kind of thing. I gave myself a little pep talk in my head and uh, reversed the position and managed to, managed to, you know, get the win. Um, it was a close fight, but like, you know, I was speaking to my coaches and they think that in, in person, it's a great job on camera. But even watching back on camera, like, you know, I think I landed both strikes. Like, you know, I got a lot more like technical positions I did more with the positions that I had as opposed to hers like it was definitely a lot closer than I wanted but for me to like you know I think I think it's a bit of a testament to my mindset like for me to be able to kind of like push through it and get it done um and win a close fight against you know she's probably going to be one of the top prospects I think both of us are going to climb those rankings and you know probably meet in the top five again someday so um definitely no no taking nothing away from her like I said in the pre-fight interview that you mentioned um you know she's a, she's a great opponent and that's kind of why we took the fight we, we got offered a couple of names and we were like this one this one's like gonna be tough like we looked at it and we, we chose the tough fight because we were like let's let's get it done now kind of thing we're both at the start of our careers let's do it now and then it allows us both to still rise through those rankings and kind of uh keep progressing like kind of either way it was kind of one of those fights when looking at it we were like you can win it but you know, you've got to, you've got to turn up and you've got to, you've got to kind of get it done. Um, there was no, there was no, oh, we can win this fight. You know what I mean? Like easy. Like it was, it was a case of you need to work hard for 12 weeks. She's going to work hard for 12 weeks and, you know, go in there and do your best sort of thing. Um, which I, which I liked. I, I love, I like, basically I like competitiveness. I don't, I don't ever want to take a fight and be like, oh, I've got this in the bag. It's fine. That's when fighters get complacent. Yeah, well, I mean, we, we, we saw that with the Conor McGregor-Dustin Poirier fight most recently. That's, that's exactly how complacency ends. Um, do you know what? It's crazy that, you know, you're, you're in the second round and, you know, you're, you're some second round, third round, you know, somewhere in there. Something pops and you have to have a conversation with yourself. 
a love that your mind goes to. And in my in my head, I, I imagine you you kind of imagining Uriah there in some like monk robe, like once I had to fight with broken hands, and I had to use my elbows. Like I think that is the most like uh, that is the most hilarious like master like story. I think that's great. I think that's awesome. And I think that uh, that it drove you to where you needed to be is exactly why he tells the story. Um, is 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 probably a, a good testament to that. But Dude, like some, something I would say is so I I have not had many injuries in my life. I, I assume as a fighter, you've probably like got double to quadruple, maybe eight times the amount of injuries I've had in my life. But um, I'll, I'll give myself a small amount of credit. I'm a skateboarder, so I do fall over a lot and I do take a lot of bails and hurt myself a lot. And um, my main big injury that I've had is I, I broke my wrist in three places and I did it while skating and continued to skate afterwards. But it's this weird moment where I felt it pop. I knew that something wasn't right. I thought it had dislocated, but I, I, I didn't realize that it had actually broken. And I think the adrenaline plus the like want to just keep going almost overwhelmed me. And I managed to skate for, what was it, Tom? Like another hour, hour and a half. And then I was like, right, I actually need to go to A&E because something's like not right with my, like it's swelling up and not looking cool kind of thing. Um, but I, the amount of respect I have for you for gritting your teeth and, you know, almost dig in, in, in loose terms, digging your heels in, you know, um, and, and, and going forward and, and keep pressuring. And like you said, you know, you're, you're trying to pummel for butterfly hooks and you're, you're in pain and whatnot. Like that to me is unbelievable. Anytime I see, you know, a crazy injury in the UFC, you know, you talk about things like the, the John Jones, um, not Thiago Alves, what's his name? Um, Thiago Santos fight where they're both just like dislocating each other's knees and they both tore ACLs, I believe, and MCLs during that fight and like absolute nightmare for each other's knees. The amount of respect I have for you guys to, to keep going with that is absolutely crazy. So um, very, very much respect that and, and take my hat off to you. That's, that's super, super awesome. How, um, how is the recovery? How have you found it? Cause for me, like I, I, I hate surgeries. I've had a bunch of surgeries throughout my life and I, Recovery is always the like worst thing ever. How's recovery been with the ankle? Yeah, um, so everyone talks about the, the adrenaline and they're like they're like, Oh, at least you had the adrenaline in the fight. And I I don't I was talking about this one of the guys the other day, like I don't know if that's the, the downside to being so relaxed going into a fight. Like I had mm. none of it. Like I felt everything. And I said right. this to them, I was like, I was like, Oh no, I was in so much pain. That's why we watched the fight back, because I literally the whole fight I'm going like you know, like my eyes are watering, I'm like my foot's hanging in the air like I'm not actually putting it on the floor like like it's been a bit of a wimp with it but um <laughs> but yeah like like I didn't really have that adrenaline like straight away I just felt it cramp up I felt like the pain shoot on my leg I was like oh snap like literally um but yeah like I said I don't think it's uh I've actually kind of forgotten the question sorry someone came in <laughs> uh what did you say sorry um, I, but basically just like how's the recovery been if you have you felt like the, the, the ankle is, is recovering stronger? Do you, do you feel like, obviously, you know, you're not doing mad dynamic movement or anything like that at this point, but do you feel like you're getting stronger? Is it, has it been a good recovery? Because obviously, you know, with some recoveries, it goes better and worse. Like, has this been a, a, a decent recovery for your ankle? Um, so I was going to have my first pad session yesterday, um, but it got cancelled, unfortunately. So I haven't actually kind of got back to any, like, I'm going to say proper training. I'm still doing like two or three sessions a day, but like, you know, 
bag work and cardio and weights and just kind of like doing it because that's all I can do. Uh, you know, I want to yeah. punch somebody um, <laughs> <laughs> in the nicest way possible. But um, yeah, the recovery's going well. I do think I'm actually going to have a stronger ankle by the end of it. Like, I mean, obviously, um, you know, the doctor looked at kind of the MRI and he was like, he was like, obviously you've done all this damage. He's like, but is there like is there any chance you kind of went into the fight with some damage and I was like oh yeah 100% like I don't go into any fight 100% like if you haven't you haven't had a hard camp if you're 100% going into a fight uh I don't actually know if I've ever actually yes I have one fight and I lost it um Um, but yeah like he's like oh there's so much scar tissue in there he's like he was like and I I looked at him I was like so what you're telling me is it was it was due a break literally and uh yeah so I'm always rolling my ankles I'm always kind of like stubbing stuff and you know um so so I think there was a lot of damage in my ankles anyway I think this this time has kind of given me a chance to work on some other things that I had problems with um so I think it'll actually end up being a, a productive thing um you know everyone's everyone's kind of happy to see me being forced to take some rest um I blame one of the guys anyway like Andrew before my fight said uh, he went he went you know, you train so hard. He's like, eventually your body's going to make you take a rest. And then I come out of the fight and I was like, dude, come on. <laughs> uh, so I'm blaming him. But um, Absolutely. My, my physical therapist has been working on my ankle a lot. And um, obviously I lost all mobility in my toes. And then he's trying to like get that back. And he looked at me and he's like, he's like, oh, there's like, there's no wrong with this one. I went, I went, oh, I broke those two toes. And my big toe hasn't bent since April 2000 and I want to say 19. <laughs> And uh, he looked at me and went, what? I went, I went, yeah, it doesn't bend. I was like, it hasn't, and it bends now. So, I mean, I'm getting, oh. I'm getting, I'm getting treatment on stuff that I, I never, I would have just ignored anyway. So uh, my toes work now, which is great. So if anything, <laughs> uh, breaking my ankle in a fight was productive. Um, Amazing. You've been, you've been enjoying furry carpets for the last, uh, since, since you've been able to wiggle your toes. You've been <laughs> like finding any carpet that you can, uh, you can get your toes on. <laughs> uh, honestly, like, it, I was getting so frustrated and like I, I do get very frustrated with stuff um so like one of the drills picking stuff up with my toes and moving it and like I can I can do it pretty well now but at first like I would just sit there staring at this like ball of tape and like I mean it made me think of like you know when little kids watch superhero films they're trying to like trying to see if they can be telepathic and they're like staring at something so hard trying to move it that was me with my feet and like it was it was the most like Honestly, I, I know everyone's been through it, so I'm not even complaining. I just found it funny because I was just getting like genuinely angry at my foot, and like, and my physical therapist just sat there laughing because I'm just like getting angry at like my toes. Um, but That's yeah, so I'm very to have them back. <laughs> I, I know. I, I guarantee you, Bodie's thinking the same thing as I was, as you were saying. I was just trying to like will my toes. There's a scene in Kill Bill where, uh, where Beatrix Kiddo is sitting in the hospital and she's trying to will uh, movement back into her into parts of her body as well. So it's it's, it's like really captured well. Um, but I, I actually like so in that scene you mentioned. Um, thinking about Uriah, right? And I mean, we joked about it a little bit, but like there's there's some serious truth there. Like if he broke, bo- in, he did break both of his hands and he literally had to rely on using his elbows in a fight with someone that's trying to, you know, hurt him. That is a serious, like, that's a weird place to be and not many people get there, right? And for you to be able to draw on that and say, look, if he can do it, I can do it, right? But I also want to just explore like the dynamic in the in the in between rounds. So you said you have Jack, you have Danny and you have your, um, Uriah in your corner. 
And I love what I'm seeing in corners these days, because back in the day, corner men would be like more in your face, like yelling and saying, you can do this and all this other G and up stuff. And it's like in your face a lot. Now, corner men are very specific, very sort of calming, giving you simple direction. So how does your what do you thrive on in the corner and who like do you thrive on more than one voice or just one voice, one direction? What what works for you? So. Obviously, I think I've got like I've got a very good um, mixture. I've got I had Danny, my wrestling coach, who I put a lot of work in. He kind of stepped up this camp and really kind of took over as my head coach. Like, he was watching all my sparring rounds. He was filming. He was like studying tape for me. Like like honestly, like, he went above and beyond. Um, so Uri gets a lot of credit, but like Danny was like all the coaches step up for me. Like they do a lot. Like I've got I work with all of them, but but Danny kind of really went above and beyond for me. He was there all fight week drilling with me. Um, so, you know, that, that dude definitely needs some credit. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I'm, I'm a very competitive person. Um, I'm not ashamed to admit it. Some people think it's a negative thing. But, like, if you if you tell me I can't do something, like, I'm, I'm going to try and do it. Like, my, my physical therapist is learning that at the moment. He was like, he was like, the goal is 45 seconds to hold this position. You can only do 30. I texted him. I went in the next day. I went, did 45. He looked at my ankle. It was all swollen. And I was like, give me, you said you wanted 45. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like oh no um, and like basically like my lifting coach would do it like he he. I remember when we first started there and he's like he's like oh lifting's a bit different to MMA like we try and positively reinforce you so he's like come on you can do it and you realize that wasn't working so then it started becoming bet you can't lift that bet you can't do this and like you know all of a sudden walk straight up there um so I'm definitely a, a you know competitive kind of like give me it give, give me a little bit of like competitiveness and I'm definitely going to um drive off of that um also like sounds bad but sometimes I do need someone to yell at me like I'm not afraid to have those like too many people are too soft these days and I'm not afraid to have someone yell at me and like kind of you know like my dad's my uh, my dad's actually my running coach uh, he does my CV program um, and when I'm back home training with him like he knows that if he yells at me and tells me that I'm not doing good enough like I'm going to do better like even though it's subconscious like I'll, I'll be thinking that I'm trying 100% if he yells at me and gets me a little bit like annoyed or a little bit angry or competitive like I'm I'm gonna do better so I'm not I'm not like against um kind of like tough love and coaching because that's kind of what I was raised on um so I think I've got a good balance because your eye is quite fun nice easy going Jack's really chilled and calm and collected so he kind of like you know stops anyone from getting like worked up and angry I mean Danny can be quite like you know he yells at you and he'll tell you what you're doing. Like, you know, I remember, I remember one camp uh, going for a takedown. He just literally yells across my like, He's like, what the F was that? You know what I mean? And like in my head, I was like, oh, I need to do better. And I did. Um, so I think I've got a really good balance as it is at the moment. And I really do think that I've clicked with all of those coaches. And because I've put so much work in with them, like, like I've had some comments before. They're like, they're like, oh, your coaches aren't very loud. And I'm like, yeah, but I can hear them clear as day because I'm tuned into their voices. Um, yeah. So, yes, like, I don't really necessarily have a coaching style that works best for me, but also, like, I'm not, you know, like, like I say, like, if I, if I come out, out between around and I'm like, oh, this hurts, like, you know, like, they're going to tell me to suck it up and get on with it. They're not going to, they're not going to cuddle me and off to throw in the towel. And uh, I think that's kind of, that's kind of the more the approach I like. I like a bit of tough love and just tell me what I need to do. Tell me, you know, if I'm losing, tell me if I'm, you know, if I'm, if I'm winning, tell me I need to do better. Like, kind of like, don't, I don't like people that kind of um, sugarcoat things um so my coaches like say are very direct they'll tell me as, as it is and uh you know they'll give me tough love when I need it I think that's kind of the the style that I like for sure that's awesome you know it's it, it, it's something me and Tom are super curious about because you know we we watch I mean I, at this point we've watched 
thousands of UFC fights and, you know, we've seen how many times have, you know, do they go into the corners and we see these different styles, different forms of communication. I want to, to ask you, you know, you, you kind of spoke generally about the style, you know, you need that competitive drive. You need them to like give you a reason to get back out there. You know what I mean? With, with a bit more like oomph than you had. Um, who's, who's giving you like the main, like technical direction. Is, is that Danny who, who like is coming in the cage and giving you like the main specifics about like, Oh, you need to watch out for her, like right cross. She's throwing that or like, that leg kick that you threw is doing some damage. Throw that again, kind of thing. Like, wh- who's giving you the technical stuff as opposed to like the passion? So it's very, um, it's very well split in terms of like the technical stuff. Um, I always have Jack come in the cage. Um, you know, they ask me who you want to wear the mic, who you want to come in. Like, I always have Jack, um, just because he's been there from day one. He knows me better than I know myself. Like, literally, like, like we've like the last the contenders camp, like we could have a whole conversation based on my facial expressions. Like I can't lie to that dude. Like he knows me better than I know myself. So if he comes in the cage and like, you know, he can, he can read me, he can read like, and he's, he's very good at breaking down fights and studying obviously himself. He's been in the game for forever. So um, yeah, I have Jack come in. Um, Cause he's kind of like, um, he's, he's just, it's hard to explain. Like he's just like, almost like my like support animal, you know, like he's always been there. Like, um, so, so he's definitely like someone that like, you know, when I'm, when I'm when I'm getting a bit like frustrated or a bit like angry or like any kind of like he's there, so that's kind of like that's kind of his role. But also he's very technical; he gives me good breakdowns. So then I've got like you know Danny breaking down the wrestling. Um, that's a funny one actually. To my last fight, see it like he gives me a big hug. Lessons obviously like say like we you, you film you, you form a good bond with your coach that like, you put in so much work with them. It it becomes like it is a team thing. As much as I said about stepping there by yourself, it is a team thing. Like, you know that they're, they're very invested. Like, I've I've coached people. I've called people like. I know how invested you get just being there with the person. Um, so that was nice. But then you see as he pulls away, like, I apologize. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. And he's like, why? I'm like, oh, I got taken down. And he just looked at me and was like, doesn't matter. Like, fine, you got the win. But like, you know, straight away after the fight, I was like, I was balancing on one leg. And I was like, I'm sorry, I got taken down in the fight. And like, um, you know, but he's like, it's fine, stuff to work on. So, um, yeah, but they all, they're all very technical. They all give me good pointers in the cage. Um, and I, I, like I said, I do think I have a very good dynamic. They do split it evenly. There's no one, no one's in the like the corner yelling over at someone else or trying to be top dog. Like, you know, they're all on the same page and they're all very, uh, you know, they're, they're there with my best intentions at heart, which is, which is all I can ask for. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Yeah, you can't, ex- yeah, and that, it speaks a lot to, to all three of them. Because there's a lot of ego involved in this, you know, in the sport. And there's also a lot of like protective, you know, gestures involved. And people start thinking, well, you know, if I have control of this athlete, I have more, you know, eventually I can make, you know, whatever. I can, um, I can benefit myself personally from it. And you can, from what you've said, all three of them, as you've said, have your own best interests in heart, in, in hand for you. And that's, that's really awesome. And um, it's just like, there's so many ways today, Corey, that you've expressed how your situation is quite unique. And most of it is just of your own doing. But um, I'm a huge fan. Like I was a fan before that Kay Hansen fight attracted you a little bit. Then after the Kay Hansen fight, I was like, yeah, that's like, we got to watch Corey. And now even more so, like there's just so much that you bring to the table. That's really refreshing, really honest. And, uh, and on top of that, you're a fucking savage, <laughs> you know, it's just super nice, uh, but, but you like kidding people in the face. Let's just call it what it is. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you're, yeah. You're, you're, I, I second what Tom says, you know, it, it's, it, you're, 
a lot of what you said fills me with a lot of confidence for the years that are to come within the uh, within the division for you, uh, for sure. I, I, I definitely uh, definitely will be cheering your corner when we when we do our uh, when we do our front row live streams. We'll, we'll be we'll be cheering you on and uh, and giving you props and whatnot. Um, do you know what? I wanted to quickly segue uh, as kind of like a, a last kind of section away from the world of sport and away from the world of punching people in the face and bruises and brain injuries and all that good stuff um and move towards uh, i'm not sure whether it's a hobby whether it's a side job well i'm not sure what you would classify it as but your amazing artwork now i know this is i'm not sure how much you're willing to talk about this or how much you even want to talk about this but i just had to say it because me and tom have been so impressed by the art that we see um your anatomy your your understanding of portrait anatomy and like hands and stuff is unfreaking believable like some of your art is absolutely amazing we're huge fans of the monopoly guy uh triangle choking the dude with it with an arm bar in there as well that's amazing and what i was hoping to do was just kind of uh, I'll, I'll show some of the art on your instagram so people can see kind of what you do um and talk to us about how you started art why you started art and and what art is to you at this point and, and while I, while you're doing that I'll, I'll pull up some images of that yeah so i um so i start i've been painting and drawing like kind of like it's a hobby kind of my whole life uh, my mom was actually laughing because um when i was younger i say younger i was probably about 15 16 and um you know I tried to sell some of my art at like a car boot sale and like no no one like you know people compliment it but no one wanted to buy it um you know and now like the same pieces are getting like the like you know loads of interest and everything um so it's it's cool to kind of like be able to use obviously the kind of like the the influence that my MMA's had to promote obviously my artwork and stuff um it's just something that I can take to the gym and do between sessions and kind of, um, you know, fill the, fill the time. It's, it's easy to, you know, say take with me. Um, cause at the end of the day, I, I, you know, I bike to the gym at 8am and I'm here until 9pm. So like, you know, I'll, I'll be drawing between the kids classes or coaching or like training. And it's just something that I'm kind of able to, to fit in. Um, I've been taking like, a lot of requests and stuff lately. Um, I keep getting told off cause I don't like really charge much because I hate asking for money because I'm very critical of myself but um but yeah so I'm trying to build it up I'm trying to make like maybe like maybe maybe make it like a little side business um you know uh it's, it's expensive living so um, <laughs> um so yes yeah, it's, it's just kind of something that I'd, I'd like to make a little side business with it but um very much started out just like say for a bit of enjoyment for myself and a time filler amazing you know what? I'm just scrolling through some like like I said, your 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 proportions on portraits are unbelievable. Like I would genuinely get some of your like female faces tattooed on me because they're so like delicate and like quaint. Like some of these are absolutely like oh my god. Like I I would I would hella get that tattooed. Like I would hella get that tattooed. That is absolutely amazing. So so you're doing this in between sessions and whatnot. Uh, is this something that? you did as a young person like did you find that you did this younger when did the like talent for art kind of arise did you just kind of find it out of nowhere or was it was it just something that you're like you know what I'm doodling in between class and it's kind of looking great you know the words getting better kind of thing 
So I always love drawing and everything. Um, I always like I always laugh. Uh, Uriah actually introduces me to people as naturally ungifted now because um, <laughs> I have no talent for anything. I'm just so stubborn and I will put in the work. Um, so I wasn't like same as my MMA like and sports and stuff. Like I'm not I'm not naturally good at anything. Um, like, and I'm not even saying that just to just to say like I'm uncoordinated. I've got no balance. I'm just clumsy and ditzy and everything like that and somehow I managed to make it work and just kind of turn up and put the work in but it's the same with the artwork like I was painting here the other day finishing off a piece that um I'll post on the weekend because it's a gift for somebody um and like like the boys the boys are laughing because like I'll, I'll smudge a piece and then be like being over dramatic like like I'm just gonna throw it over the balcony like getting all getting all like annoyed and fr- frustrated because like I say I'm very competitive and a bit of a perfectionist which doesn't go hand in hand with being clumsy and a mess so it's a bit strange um but yes like I lie a little bit it it was it was a fun thing but also um I'm I'm a broke athlete so when it comes to making people presents uh it's always cheaper to to make them um you know so as as a kid like you know I'd, I'd have my pocket money and stuff but you know, I'd be origamiing my parents' stuff and painting the pictures and just kind of like trying to be more creative with it. But also, I hate like I hate cards and I hate like just buying stuff when when you can be thoughtful and put some thought into stuff. So I used to like say like, I used to make my mom like I, I'd hand make cards and I, like I, I don't think I've ever actually bought a card um, because I just I don't like them I think they're thoughtless and effortless so I just I've always kind of made them myself drawn them myself um so that's kind of where it started I was just like I was just like well I'm not gonna waste paper and buy you something I'm gonna make you something so at least then you can keep it and it means something um Mm. and then I moved on to painting my mom canvases for Christmas and um she's got quite a lot of them actually now like I did her like some pop art superheroes I did like a jujitsu monkey I did uh when my dog died I painted her like a piece um you know so I just cut that's kind of how it started like I used to just gift her stuff and then um yeah then I painted myself some pieces to decorate my room and kind of just started enjoying actually doing it um and it's nice but I like like this is kind of like why I'm enjoying it at the moment because I like I like people getting excited about stuff that I've made for them I like I like seeing I just thought they make people happy like I painted like I, said, I painted a gift for someone uh, yesterday and like I try, I tried to not take any money off of her, but she at least wanted to cover like the cost, obviously. Um, but like she got excited about it, and she really wanted to give it, to, give it to the person, you know, that she had it made for. And like that really kind of makes me happy, just seeing seeing how much someone enjoys enjoys and appreciates my work. I like, I really like the appreciation side of it. Um, I don't do it for like praise. Like I say, I'm very critical of myself. I don't, I don't actually like half of the pieces I post. I think that I think they're not very good, but like for for people to appreciate it and like to give it to them as a gift and stuff I really enjoy that you know what you are the picture perfect example of a phenomenal humble female role model in 2021 you know I I agree that is what you just said is the most down-to-earth thing I think I've heard in years (laughs) Jesus um that that's awesome you you really really have, have got it in a great place and and your art is unbelievable and don't do not get me wrong at all me and tom have been enjoying it so so much and hey um we we would be happy to have a piece at some point i'm sure we'll we'll maybe uh, we'll maybe talk about that after the show um but i'll tell you what this, like 
it's been such a pleasure talking to you and getting to know you today and getting to know about your, you know, your fighting stuff, your mentality, um, what's going on behind the backgrounds with your coaching staff and also your art. Um, the perfect picture of humbleness, Corey McKenna. Um, I'll give you a couple of minutes. Go for it. Shout some stuff out. Um, talk about, you know, who, who, who you've got in your life that you want to shout out. Any social media stuff as well for yourself. Go for it. You got a, you got a bit of time. Yeah, cool. Uh, so obviously, like you mentioned, my art page, like Poppins Paintings, people want to check that out and give that some love. Uh, it's pretty quiet at the moment. Um, and then obviously my main my main page, Corey McKenna 99 on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Uh, I've already like talked loads about my coaches, but obviously I appreciate them tons. And uh, Franklin Group, like uh, Franklin Group, Tommy Fightwear and QNT Sports, uh, my sponsors. Um literally could not be here without them um like i said it's it's expensive living um, so so yeah so uh, i owe a lot to them as well so just a quick appreciation for them too amazing hey um it has been an absolute pleasure um guys for us at homie and the dude um thank you for joining us as always um hit us with the holy trinity and you know what that is so that's share at least one of our podcasts that's like and follow on facebook and that's subscribe on youtube all of that allows us uh, to continue doing these awesome shows and having amazing guests uh, like Corey on, guys. So, guys, thank you so, so much for watching. Corey, thank you even more for giving us your time, spending the time getting to know us and hanging out with us. It has been such a pleasure uh, on our end. So thank you so much. Thanks, Corey. Thanks for having me. Thank you. No problem. Thanks. We're chugging through. We're loving doing this stuff for you guys. Um, if you want to support us, if you want to make sure that we can keep getting – you know, better quality set, better quality lights, make the filming better. Bigger, um, bigger batteries for the camera. Bigger batteries for the camera. <laughs> yes! <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, you can do that by just liking, following the page, and subscribing to the YouTube channel. That is what really makes a difference to us.